That's enough right there. <laughs> hey, man, my daddy said don't put no more on your plate than you can eat. We might ought to stop them right there. The Lord. Hey, man, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley. Every one of us is going to head there. Not just trouble times, but in reality. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest, he's taking time out to eat while the fighting's going on. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, we pray today that you'd help us to preach and to pie the Holy Ghost. God, I pray I stand where nobody can help me but you. Lord, I bow before you. Lord, hide behind the cross. Say, God, if you'll just help us and breathe on us today, forgive us and cleanse our mind, our thoughts, our heart. Help us, God, to be a vessel fit and meet for the master's use. Cleanse us fresh in the blood and on us and fire us and fill us with the Holy Ghost. Help us, God, I pray to be a conduit that you could preach from the pulpit of glory to the hearts of places uh, and the re recesses of our heart and minds. Open up the doors that we try to hide, open up the areas that we're trying to cover. Lord, I pray God today that you deal with us and help us and help us to leave this place having been drawn closer to you. I pray you'd help everybody that's in the building, them listening in the parking lot by way of the podcast. Somewhere down the road, but God, we're here at this moment, at this time, gathered together in thy name around thy word. Help me, Lord, I pray to be a help to everybody that's in this building. Help me to be a vessel. And Lord, we'll leave this place saying it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. We trust you. Plead the blood and pray God you'd have your way in Jesus name. Amen. You can be seated. If the Lord would help me for a little while this evening, I want to preach on this thought in Psalms 23, the shepherd's song. A lot of folks have called this the pearl of songs. It seems like if you were to read in Psalms 23, it ought to be the sheep's psalm about his shepherd. Hey, man, he, David didn't say he was the chief shepherd. He didn't say he was a great shepherd. He said, hey, man, he's my shepherd. I like that. This psalm is a personal psalm. If you look in Psalms 23, you'll hear it read. It'll be on the back of bulletins. It'll be uh, quoted most of the time at funeral homes. But it's more than just for the season of death. It's for this journey on the way to death. In fact, in Psalms 23, it's an Old Testament chapter with a New Testament comfort. Amen. Psalms 23, you can see, is made up of, of six verses. It actually has 118 words. But the first, the first two words, he takes 116 to magnify the first two words. That's where we pause the Lord. Amen. A teacher one time was trying to get kids, you've heard me tell this, a teacher was trying to get her class to quote Psalms 23. 
A little four and a half year old girl come forward. She said, I think I can do it, teacher. She come before everybody, bowed and said, the Lord is my shepherd and he's all I want. Bowed and sat down. I I ain't the whole psalm, but that sums it up. Amen. I I remember reading a story about them quoting Psalms 23 and they was having like a poetry tea time. This had to be England because we drink coffee and sweet tea over here. Amen. Well, they was having a tea time, had a poetry, had chairs lined up. And an actor got up with all his enunciations and he started magnifying Psalms 23. Sat down, everybody did a little applause. Then a grandma got up and she started talking about Psalm 23 and cried and bloats and all that were. Everybody shouted and crawled in the altar and they said, what's the difference? They said, well, you know the psalm, but she knows the shepherd, Amen. Not just enough to know the psalm, it's about knowing the shepherd of the psalm. Matter of fact, if we were to look at Psalms 23, we know this is about the shepherd. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. David is magnifying the fact through the power of the Holy Ghost has inspired him to put down that we might know something about it. Now, I'm gonna try to deal with that Lord business in a little bit, but he said, he said he's my shepherd. Did you know what the most common occupation in your King James Bible? You can search it from the most common occupation that I can find in the Bible is a shepherd. And so we will look at shepherds. Let's look at the similarity of some shepherds. You can write these down if you want to. Moses was a shepherd. Would y'all agree with that? Can you say amen? Moses on the backside of the desert taking care of his father's sheep. He was a lonely shepherd. Well, my, every one of those shepherds in the Bible, there's similarities to our shepherd. He was the loneliest. Jesus was the loneliest of the lonely. Nobody experienced the kind of forsaken and betrayal that Jesus did. Nowhere to lay his head, didn't have, didn't have a place to lay his head. He, matter of fact, he would pull away sometimes and pray by himself. He would stay up on the mountain while they're in the boat and pray. He prayed by himself. He, 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 he sought God's direction by himself. And when he died, after John took care of Mary and went to the nursing home business, he's there dying by himself, by God, turning his back on God. He is the loneliest of the lonely. If we look at Joseph, Joseph's a little bit different kind of shepherd. Joseph was a betrayed shepherd. Y'all remember Joseph, don't you? He went from the pit to Potiphar's house to prison. Y'all know he's lied on, went to prison, but he ended up in the palace. But all oh, our Savior was betrayed. Wasn't he betrayed? He's betrayed by one of his own, Judas, the one of those that he was a betrayed shepherd. So it wasn't just, he's a lot of similarities. I looked at David. Remember David in First Samuel chapter 17, Jesse comes up to David and said, I want you to take some food down there to your brothers. They on the front line fighting. They was down there hiding is what they was doing. They wasn't fighting. And David, Joe, I mean, old David, he's so excited. Man, he's so excited to do what his daddy wanted him to do. He jumps off the chariot, runs down there. Hey, man, he's excited. And his brother says, I know the naughtiness of your heart. You just come down here to see what's going on. All he was doing, he was falsely accused. All he was doing was doing what his father wanted him. But I want to say this, if he hadn't showed up to the fight, they'd still been hiding. <laughs> Amen. 
Oh, thank God. We look at shepherds, the most common occupation in the Bible. And it's as if God is letting us see a little bit of Jesus through every one of them. I thought about Abel. We go all the way back to the first shepherd. Y'all remember Abel, don't you? He brought, he brought a lamb. Y'all remember Abel? Abel was a dying shepherd. He brought the right sacrifice. Boy, I'm glad our shepherd died for us. In fact, it's an amazing thing. In the Old Testament, it's amazing. The Old Testament, Brother Jared, the sheep died for the shepherd. But in the New Testament, the shepherd dies for the sheep. Boy, I feel like running today. Hey, man. Psalm 23 is all about the Lord. It's 116 verses magnifying them. First two verses covers time and eternity. It begins in time. Here's what he said. The Lord is, that's present tense. He is my shepherd. But if you look at the end of Psalms 23, it ends in eternity. He said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23 covers everything from the beginning of time to the end. Amen. It's amazing because you find the Lord in verse number one. The Lord is my shepherd. Then you find the Lord in the last verse, in verse number six. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever but watch this. If you started in ever, backed up 58 words, go to thee and count down 58 words, you'll come to the middle two words. You know what that is? It's talking about the Lord, for thou. <laughs> Amen. It's the Lord in the beginning, it's the Lord in the end, and it's the Lord in the middle. I'm gonna tell you what'll bring the sheep comfort. Hey man, what will get our mind on the shepherd and know that he's in our beginning, he's in our end, and he's right smack dab in the middle. I feel like running tonight. Hey man. And, and notice where in the middle of this song, right? I mean 58 back, 58 down. Notice what he said, I will fear no evil for thou. That's the middle two words. Art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Smack dab in the middle of our fear, God brings comfort through the Lord. Oh my, I thank God, I thank God for this little nugget of truth called Psalms 23. Well, no, it is about comforting the sheep. He's thinking on the shepherd. He's got his mind on the shepherd. Let me say this right quick for, in case I don't get it. No, notice what the shepherd has in his hand. Not just the time he spends, the, he's in the beginning, end, and the middle. But notice this, what he says. He said in verse number four, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. What brings comfort, he said, is a rod and a staff. A rod and a staff, one for guiding, one for protection, one for correction. You know what a rod and a staff is? It ain't nothing but two sticks. You know where we get our comfort from? Them two sticks behind me. Somebody say amen. Oh, I picture Jared running right there. Something's wrong. Hey, man. The greatest comfort in the Bible, we, the greatest comfort the Christian has is caught up in them two sticks. Would y'all agree with me? Think about them two sticks as a pose. That's, that's the place. That, that, that's the tree that Jesus died on. It's not... It's symbolized by two persons. In fact, we think about them two six, that two six are talking about his person. If you read Isaiah 11, verse number one, that said, he's a rod out of Jesse and a branch, amen, shall grow of the roots. In fact, if it's not just a post or the person, it's a place. In Psalm 23, verse 33, here's what it says. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, they crucified him there. Amen. Between the malefactors, one on the right hand and one on the left. I don't know. I don't know what you're going through, but I want to know, I want you to know this. The Lord is going to bring you comfort in the midst of your fear. 
and he's going to do it by way of Calvary. Amen. If, if you can't get a glimpse of the Lord, go back to Calvary. If you get, if you get discouraged and defeated, go to Calvary. If you feel like you're going to kick out, go to Calvary. You'll find all you need right at them two sticks. Amen. Let me give you the message. That's the introduction. Let me give you the message in Psalms 23. In Psalms 23, I want you to notice the voice of the sheep. It's as if, because, remember, remember this. The Lord said in Psalm 100 that we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So the Lord tells us that we as believers are the sheep in his flock. Would you all agree with that? And so when I look at Psalm 23, it's the sheep. It's his voice that we keep hearing. He's talking one sheep to another sheep, and then he switches midstream, and he's talking one sheep to the shepherd. You know what, what gets this tore up? Just talking from one sheep to another sheep about the shepherd. And if you'll go talking him up, he'll show up. <laughs> and then you will get up. Say amen. Let's just break down verse number one. Watch, watch this. In the voice of the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The, our shepherd, is the specific shepherd. Not just, it doesn't say a shepherd. The psalmist is specific. This is not just any shepherd. The, the Lord. He's talking about a specific person. He uses this word Lord. So our shepherd is, the Lord is our shepherd. He's a specific shepherd. But he's not only a specific shepherd, Brother Scott, he's supernatural shepherd. Oh, yes, he is. That word, notice capital L, all in your, in your King James Bible, is all caps. That wasn't a mistake of the printer. That's magnifying this Jehovah name. Our shepherd is supernatural. There's nobody like him. There's nobody born like him. Nobody lived like him. Nobody died like him. Nobody got up like him. And nobody's coming back like him. Hey, man. Hey, nobody like him. Psalms 23. Hallelujah. He uses this word, Lord. It speaks, this word, Lord, speaks, the definition of this word is self-existent one. It's one who has no beginning. That's one who will never have an ending. Understand, understand, when we th think about this word Lord, uh, we're understanding he's talking about the one and only God. He's the one who causes, but has never been caused to do anything. He makes things happen. He himself has never been caused, but he caused. He has ever existed and will ever exist. This word Lord carries the idea he was not created nor was he ever born but because he, he is and he was he forever shall be the I am, the unchanging one. He's made things exist. When time didn't exist, he started time. Oh my. He makes, he's made, he has made, he is making but he was never made. He created but was never created. Everything that is is dependent upon God, and yet God is dependent upon nothing. He's everywhere at the same time. Hey, man, he can show up and never leave where he was and never, hey, man, I, I ain't never seen, ain't nobody like him. He said, look, he's supernatural. 
He come, think about him in creation. He come from nowhere, stood on nothing. And the, re, the reason he stood on nothing, there was nothing to stand on, Brother Jared. Amen. And standing on nothing, he reached out to where there was nowhere and grabbed a bunch of nothing and made everything. Ain't God good? Amen. Standing on nothing, he took the hammer of his own will, struck the anvil of his omnipotence. Spark flew everywhere. He grabbed them, stuck them in the stars of heaven. Amen. By his fingertips and finger, decked the heavens from darkness to bring light. Amen. Nobody said a word because there wasn't nobody to say a word. So when nobody said a word, God talked to himself and said, this is good. I'm telling you. And David said, when we talk about who's my shepherd, I want y'all to know he's a specific one I'm talking about and he's supernatural. Ain't nobody like him. Amen. But I like this. I like this. I like this. He's, he's not just uh, specific. He's not just supernatural. But I want you to know he's, he is. This is what he said. The Lord is my shepherd. Our shepherd's reliable. He's I am that. In other words, changes. He's a very he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His character don't change. His conversation don't change. Everything about him, his conduct don't change. Before Abraham was, he said, "I am." He's always there. Amen. He is. He forever is. He forever. I, I like that word. Am. Notice this. He said, "Lord is my shepherd." When we think about him being present, he is. He's always been. I like when he told him uh, what he told Moses when he goes down there to Pharaoh. He said, "Tell him, tell that crowd, tell that crowd when you get down there to them, when you say who sent me, tell that crowd, tell Pharaoh, tell them that I am sent me. I am that I am." You say, preacher, I don't know what that means. I don't understand that. Well, don't say I was, don't say I will be. It says I am, but that ain't all it means, Brother Jared. It don't matter what you need, the answer you need is I am. You say, preacher, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I need. He says, I am. I don't know what I, I don't know where I need to go. He says, I am. Hey, hey, Everything that he is, all that he ever will be is wrapped up. He said, the Lord is, is right now my shepherd. I like that word my, I've already said it, but let me say this. <laughs> He's personal. When I am in an all alone state, he is my shepherd. When I am in a troublesome state, he is my shepherd. When I'm facing a test or facing temptation, I can still say he is my shepherd. I love that shepherd. That word shepherd carries the idea of meeting all the needs of the sheep, caring for them, protecting them, provides our ever needs. Hey, man, I hear the voice of the sheep. But notice number two, look at verse number four. The valley of the shadow. I want to get here. I'm trying to skip over and give, give you what the Lord, I feel like has emphasized in my heart. If you walk down through the psalm, we could take time to walk down through the psalm. Man, it, it, we'd be here a little while, but there's a lot of good stuff there. We see the person, amen. Amen, in verse number one and verse number two, we, two, we see provision. And verse number three, we see a pathway. In verse number four, we see a pearl. In verse number five, we see preparation. And verse number seven or six, we see a prospect. I'm glad he's my shepherd, amen. In verse number one, I, I'm glad, thank God, I thank God for my sleep that he helps me have and the second thing, I'm glad for my soul that he restores. I thank God for his staff that he corrects and guides, and I appreciate his supplies. There's a whole lot there. But, Brother Jared, I want you to look at his shadow. 
A shadow, think about this shadow. He said in verse number four, let's read it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now we're talking about the shepherd. He said, the sheep is talking to another sheep. Hey, I want you to know the Lord is my shepherd. And verse number four, it's a common thought. There was a narrow passageway they called the valley of shadow of death. It was treacherous, robbers and killers. And man, it was a dangerous place, but not, not just that. That was symbolic of the trials and tribulation, the troubles that you and I go through. But eventually, everybody's going to die. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after this is judgment. We may be translated and transformed. We may go out in the clouds and not go by way of the clouds, but we're going to die one day. We might die before Miss Linder dies, so we don't know when we're going to die. But every single person, look at the graveyard, anybody can die. But here's what the sheep says to another sheep. I love this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He was magnifying from one sheep to another about the Lord. He's talking about this shadow. Well, think about a shadow. Here's one good thing about a shadow. I love this. A shadow tells us the sun is up. (laughs) Somebody hold my mule. Hey, man, it tells us the sun is shining. You ain't got a shadow if the sun ain't shining. Hey, man. Hey, man, I'm not talking about artificial light. I'm talking about the light. When the sun's up, I'm glad there's a shadow. Hey, man. The sun's up. The sun's out. Hey, man. I'm glad our sun is up. Hey, man. Notice where the shadow is cast tells us where the sun is. You can tell where the sun is located by the way the shadow is cast. If there wasn't no light, there wouldn't be no shadow, brother Scott. Sometimes shadows that are big means tells us the sun or the light source is far away. It makes everything look bigger. You ever you ever notice that? I mean, you you can take a flashlight as a little kid and put your hand in front of the flashlight. It'll look like a dinosaur on the wall. It makes everything look big. And if you get caught up looking at the shadows, I'll tell you how you get rid of that. Scooch up close to the shepherd. Amen. Amen. Being far from the shepherd sometimes will make everything look bigger than it is. It'll make every little molehill look like a mountain. But when those shadows are smaller, that means the sun is closer. It's not as scary. Hey, man, God will give us grace to get through every need. Hey, man, I'm so glad he's with me. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. The night sky. You ever thought about this? Just being at night. Just the night sky is really a shadow. Nighttime is a shadow. There's something come between the sun and, are y'all with me today? The world has come between the sun and you and it's dark. Don't let the world come between you and the light. It'll get dark. Somebody say amen. That's, That's true. The shadow has to do with our view of the valley. It's really, it's really about two different views. It's about the sheep's view and the shepherd's view. From the sheep's view, things look different. Things look bigger. Things look, but from the shepherd's point of view, he's over everything. Everything looks, to, he knows the beginning from the end. What we need to do, Brother Scott, is quit trying to look at it through our eyes and start looking at things through his eyes. He'll, we'll probably won't get so scared and spooked every time something burps in the nighttime. Say amen. One thing about this verse, the psalmist said, 
Though I walk through the valley. Notice what he said. Though I walk. You ought to circle that word. Do you know what the word walk? You know what that is? That's a forward motion. That to walk somewhere is to be in a consistent forward motion. There's no delay. There's no detour. Amen. Hallelujah. He said, I'm walking. I saw forward, no stop, no detour, no delay. Glory to God. What he said was, there's going to come a day when I've got a valley. There's going to come a day when I've got to face the valley of the shadow of death. But I'm walking through it. And, and, and think about this. The shadow, what did he say? Let's look at verse number four. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. This shadow, this, hey man, this death, this valley that I've got to walk through is a shadow. It can't harm me. The shadow is not the real thing. A shadow is merely a reflection of the real thing. So here's what he's saying. A shadow of a dog can't bite me. A shadow of a cat can't scratch me. And the shadow of death can't hold me, can't harm me. Hey man, can't hinder me. How am I going through one day? Hey man, thank God it's a forward motion. See the voice of the sheep, the valley of the shadow. Let me, let's, let's look a minute. Look in verse number four, ladder, the visitation of the shepherd. In verse number four, he's magnifying from one sheep to another and the Lord shows up. You know where he dwells at, Brother Scott? He dwells in the praises of his people. Hey, man. I like that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Watch it. He maketh me. <laughs> he Maketh me to lie down in green path. He leadeth me beside his door. He restored my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, he's magnified. He's lifted up the Lord. And then the Lord shows up and he quits talking from one sheep to another and talks to him and he says, For thou art with me. Woo! Hey, Lord, you go to lifting him up. You go to praising him. You go to exalting him. You go to talking him up. He'll show up. He'll walk up. Hey, man, he'll stir you up. I like it when he shows up. Hey, man, hallelujah. He went from talking about the Lord to the Lord. Ain't that a blessing? Hey, man. Notice this, the view of the Shirley. We could say it like this, the view over the shoulder of the Lord the vision of the Shirley. Notice this with me, this last one. Let's walk, let's walk around this last verse. Matter of fact, let's walk backwards. He said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He said, I will dwell. In so in other words, he said, over the shoulder of the one leading me, over the Lord who is my shepherd, that one who handles it all, the I am, the capital L-O-R-D, Amen. The personal one. Amen. The providing one. The one who's gave me promises. The one who will not permit me to be detoured or delayed. The one that's going to protect me through every valley, including the shadow of death. He said, over his shoulder, he said, I see, some, I see the future. He said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So you could say, from earth to glory the sheep has a good point of view. Would y'all say amen? He's got a glimpse into the future. 
He said, I will dwell. I will dwell in the house. He didn't say, I might dwell. He didn't say, I hope it pans out. He didn't say, I hope my good outweighs my bad. He didn't say, I hope the Lord's. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. And because he is my shepherd, I shall not want. And the end of the result, the, the, amen, the climax of my life is I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. As believers, we got the assurance that there's a heaven one day and we're gonna live with him forevermore. Isn't that what John 14 said? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, would I told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I doubtless come again. Receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Oh, thank God, in troublesome times, that encourages me to know this ain't always gonna be the way it is. One day we getting out of here. Amen. Amen. I think of the story of the lady who found out she had cancer. She had only had about three, she only had about three months to live. She called the pastor and had him come over to the house. They was going to discuss the funeral. Me and Miss Linders discussed it several times. She told him what song she wanted sung and wondered if he could somehow mention her favorite verse in scripture. Miss Linder actually did. She said, well, I got one final request, preacher. I want you to go down to the funeral home, and when they're preparing my body, he, she said, I want you to put the Bible in one hand and a fork in another hand. Pastor, he is blown away. True story. Pastor, blow away. He said, why do you want, I understand the Bible. I mean, you could leave that. And one of your kids will have it. But I understand you want your Bible with you. And you want a fork with you. She said, well. She said, I always knew when I was little, my mama would tell me. She started cleaning up the dishes. All the children were sitting around. If she ever said, make sure you hold on to your fork, that meant the best was yet to come. There was going to be a banana pudding or dessert on the way. She said, when I want to have my fork in my hand, and when people say, why does she have my fork in her hand? I want you to tell them the best is yet to come. <laughs> Woo! Somebody say amen. That's what the psalmist is saying. Hey, I've got fights, but he's going to feed me. I'm, in, I'm among him, but he's going to anoint me. I'm going to face valleys, but he's walking through them with me. I've got a lot of things. But I don't eat like hard too, but he's going to provide green pastures. I don't walk like hard too, but for his sake, he's going to lead me in the paths of righteous. And when it's all said and done, when the scroll, hey man, is rolled up, hey man, and everything's made new, I'm going to be with the Lord. Lord, I'm going to dwell in this house forevermore. The best is yet to come. Hey, we've got, we can travel as pilgrims with the assurance to know that over the shoulder of the one that leads me on the horizon is a view of glory. It's as real as the nose on my face. Amen. But I want you to notice this. Not just a vision of, of what's waiting out yonder, of the celestial, the vision of the future. But I want you to notice the vision of the surely. Let's go back. We're walking backwards. Look at verse, verse 6, the first part. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Y'all have heard me say this forever. So you got the shepherd leading us, and you got good, goodness and mercy following us. So you got the shepherd leading us, goodness and mercy keeping us. 
Goodness and mercy are travel companions. That's them two you see with me. You said, preacher, I don't see them. I can't help it. You don't see them. Goodness and mercy is with me. I mean, when I go to sleep tonight, they sleep beside of me. When I get up, they get up with me. Wherever I go, you, surely goodness and mercy. Y'all ain't going to argue with the Bible, are you? Everybody believe the Bible? I got surely goodness and mercy following me. They, they would liken this to two, uh, two guys that stood on the back of a horse-drawn buggy. And when, when they got to their destination, they would, the two guys would dismount the buggy. One would get the red carpet. The other one would get the steps. They'd open the door, roll out the red carpet, set the steps there. Hey, man. And then the person would dismount and go to his final location. I'm glad. Thank God. We've got somebody rolling out the red carpet. Hey, man. Making every step. Hey, man. Count for the glory of God. Hey, the shepherd is mine. And I've got a travel companion. It's called surely goodness and mercy. Uh, but they're also, they're also not just companions, they're characteristics or traits. Surely goodness and mercy. Here's what Lamentation says in chapter, y'all want to go to Lamentation? Take your Bible, let's go over to Lamentation. Amen. Y'all know where Lamentations is? Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentation. Go over to Lamentations. Go over to Lamentations. I don't know, most of y'all wouldn't hear when I preach through the Lamentations. I love this book. And Lamentation in chapter number 3, look at verse number 22. Lamentations chapter 3, verse number 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. I want you to think about that verse. He said, surely, let's go back and look. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Are y'all with me today? All right, now th think about this. The vision of the surely. The Lord's Bible, the Bible says about the Lord. Now me and you, we have the ability to show each other goodness and mercy. But would y'all agree, our goodness and our mercy is no comparison to his surely goodness and mercy. Let's, let's just think about it for a minute. According to Lamentations 3, verse 22 to 23, his mercy is new every morning. I can show you mercy, but my mercy is not going to be new every morning. In fact, you're going to wear my mercy down. I'm not going to give you no mercy no more. Psalm 103, verse 13, here's what, he's by, here's what it, the Bible says. His mercy, amen, is from everlasting to everlasting. The, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and the righteousness unto the children's of children. And so we can say, hey, we show mercy, but when we show mercy, hey, it's not like his mercy. Our mercy's not new every morning. It's not resupplied every morning. In fact, amen, our mercy is not from everlasting to everlasting. So we can show mercy, but we can't show the Lord's kind of mercy. Psalm 103, verse number eight, mercy is abundant and plenteous. That's what the Bible says about him. Ours only goes so far. We, we put a limit on it. Like I said, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. In fact, in Ephesians chapter two, verse number four, the Bible says, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love with he loved us, even when we are dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ. Now I'm telling you, we might, we might have a little bit of mercy, but our mercy don't compare to him. When he says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of, that ain't my goodness and mercy, that's his goodness and mercy. Boy, I'm glad it's everlasting. It's eternal. I think about his goodness. His good, we're good to people when most of the time, if y'all be honest, they're good to us. 
I was talking to somebody today and I was thinking about what the Bible says about love your wife as Christ loved the church. That's unconditional love. Love your wife as Christ loved the church. That means in spite of everything she does, in spite of everything she don't do, you're supposed to love her because his love is not dependent upon our reaction. We're supposed to love whenever we don't, when they don't reciprocate love. And then as the church is subject unto Christ, so the wives are to be subjection to their own husbands in everything. Would y'all agree with that? That's getting quiet in here now. It's 2023 and it's still Bible. Is everybody okay? They're still ahead of the home. All right. But you say, preacher, I'd, be, I'd love her more if, if she'd submit more. No, no, that ain't how it works. He loved us before we loved him. It tires me up to no end when I see men not loving their wives. I almost want to have a, a class for young people and, and, and start training young men because it seems like they ain't getting it, how to be Christian gentlemen. Is everybody with me? A lot of times they ain't sitting their own daddy. But we need to be Christian gentlemen. If, if Hey, man, I don't want to get, if I go down this rabbit, I'll never get out of it. But let me go ahead and kill him and skin him so if I can get him over with. When it comes to loving your wife, you're supposed to love your wife. Now, you, we ain't always going to, I wish I wished I could tell you, I, I, Lord, I didn't act like the Lord today. I handled the situation real bad. Doesn't mean I don't love everybody that was in that situation. But I sure am glad my wife, I guarantee you if you ask my wife, there's one thing I got nailed down. That woman knows I love her. There ain't a doubt in her mind. She knows I love her primarily above everything. If your wife doesn't know that you love her primarily above everything, you need to get right with God and get things, get some help from the Lord. And if your husband doesn't know that he can count on you to be in subjection, you need to get right with the Lord. And if you don't obey your parents and everything that is in the Lord, you need to get right with the Lord, children. So we all gonna get in the altar tonight. Everybody say amen. I better go on because y'all ain't handling that tonight. His goodness is not dependent upon our goodness. So when I tell you surely goodness to my travel companions, I hope they are the characteristics that I display, but there's no way that my goodness and my mercy can ever compare to his goodness and mercy. When y'all ask, who's him to with you? That's surely goodness and mercy. Hey, man. Oh, man, the view of the surely. Say, preacher, just hold on. You mean he's always good? His goodness leads men to repentance. Sometimes God is so good to us when we're so bad to him, he'll make us, he'll just keep pouring on goodness, keep pouring on goodness, keep, you're waiting on the hammer to drop. You'd like it better if the hammer would drop, but instead, he just keeps being good to you, and for you, finally, he breaks you down, you gotta call an order and beg him to forgive you. Y'all know I'm right. I wonder, can we, let me, can you handle one more thing? Can you handle one more thing? We think about this surely goodness and mercy. His goodness and mercy made David keep saying these words. I, I love this. Let's go back. Let's look, look what he said. He starts out, the Lord, that's the first two words, 116 words now. But if we were to, if we were just to count verse number one, the Lord is my shepherd. And we were to just take the last four, I shall not want. We could tie that to every portion of this song. 
It's as if he's saying, man, surely goodness is going to follow me. I know, and because of that, I'm not going to want. Here's what he said, and here's what he said. When I got the Lord, I got all I need and lack nothing. I don't know if y'all got that or not. Here's what a Puritan said when he read Psalms 23. A Puritan, old Puritan, I don't remember who it was. Hey man, he sat down to a meal, had nothing but bread and water to eat. He is poor and he bowed his head and declared all of his blessings and Jesus too. Hey <laughs> man, God is good to us. Here's, here's what David said. I shall not want rest. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He, he said, I shall not want drink because he leadeth me beside the still waters. That's that goodness and mercy. I shall not want forgiveness. He restoreth my soul. I shall not want guidance. Guidance, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. I shall not want compassions because though I walk through the valley, amen, thou art with me. I shall not want, hey, he shall not want for companionship, brother Jared, because the Lord's with him. Amen. He shall not want for comfort for his rod and staff is with him. He shall not want for food because he prepares a table before him. He shall not want for joy because the Lord's going to anoint his head. He shall not want for anything because his cup runneth over. I get so tired of people saying, I feel that way. I ain't going to shout, preacher, I feel like my cup's half full. Well, I'll tell you how to get it over full. Stick your head down in it like a horse trough and it'll shoot out both sides. Say amen. Amen. Thank God I'm not going to pout when I could shout even if I don't feel like it I'll fake it till I make it because he's enough reason alone to shout because he came to this earth went to Calvary got buried rose the third day and prays for me I don't care if I don't feel like it or not when it comes church time I'm ready to go you know why because I need some help I can't miss church I know what mess I am coming to church all the time that crowd must be super spiritual I shall not want for anything he said, surely goodness and mercy. He said, I won't even want an eternity. I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here's what he said. He said, when I got the Lord, I got everything. The Lord is my shepherd. And he took the rest of the psalm to explain how good it was. I just want to ask you a question tonight. Are you thankful that the Lord is your shepherd?